This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. All you regular listeners out there are probably used to me sharing personal anecdotes here in my intros. But this week is a slight departure, as I'd like to tell you about the circumstances in which this story was performed. The story you're about to hear from Second Story Company member Megan Stilstra was part of our first live in-person show post-COVID quarantine. The energy at that show was simply electric. All of us excited to be sharing space with one another again. I'm so excited to be bringing you a taste of that evening's renaissance. Recorded live at Eris Brewery and Cider House in April 2022, Second Story is proud to present The Force of Desire. I peed on the stick, and now I have to wait three minutes. It's 7.25 and 14 seconds, and according to the instructions on the box, in three minutes, either a plus sign or a minus sign will appear in the little window, which means by 7.28 and 14 seconds, I'll know if my entire life just changed. It was my sophomore year in college, a year-long study abroad program in this tiny medieval town in Italy surrounded by fields of sunflowers. It was so beautiful, I thought it was pretend. The streets were paved in cobblestone, walls sculpted into statues, every ceiling a mural into some other time. In the center was a football field-sized square called the Piazza del Campo, where everyone met up or hung out or, in my case, at 19, sat alone with a bottle of cheap wine and cried over the boy that I left back home in Michigan. The beautiful, stupid boy who maybe I would have forgotten about after meeting a Carlo or a Paolo, but it had only been a week. And I was heartbroken, drunk as only a teenage American girl could possibly be. Nearby, a group of professional opera singers rehearsed the Barber of Seville in the open air, soaring alto and contralto. It was so beautiful. The sky was all stars, a singular still shot or picture postcard. And I, I looked across the piazza and I saw him. I am drunk, I told myself, which was true. But also, how could he be here? How could it be him, that same beautiful boy I'd been with since high school and loved so first love, desperate, showing up as if he could hear me from the other side of the ocean. I watched him cross the square, wondering if I was imagining it. I, I have been known to see things that aren't always there. Fairies in the flowers, monsters in the closet, messages in the wind or the storm, but that night in the piazza, that was real. It was him. Dirty clothes and giant backpacks, so decidedly not Italian, so not in this picture. He looked up. God, the cliche. Our eyes met. And I immediately had an orgasm. Like, it tidal wave gushed straight down my body and it flooded the entire piazza. All the opera singers drowned. Like, waterlogged sunflowers floated on by. It was very, it was very sexy and very surprising. I didn't know that my body was capable of such a thing. Well, we talk a lot about how boys experience desire, but not so much girls. We're supposed to be appropriate, 
romantic bluebirds singing on our shoulder, not coming in our pants as we run across piazzas, pushing past Italians, walking hand on hand under the stars. I, I didn't slow down as I neared him, sped up faster even, and we collided in this frantic head-cracking mess of limb on limb and mouth and pelvis, bodies locked together. Sometimes, when I close my eyes, I can still feel it. I crossed the ocean for you, he said. It was really perfect. It, except two and a half months later, I was sitting in a bathroom stall in an $8 a night hostel, the kind with 50 bunk beds in a single room and a bathroom like some high school gym, row of sinks, row of showers, row of stalls. I locked myself in the last one up against the wall and I peed on the stick. All that's left to do is wait. 7.26 and five seconds. 7.26 and 10 seconds. It smells in here. 15, the fluorescent lights are buzzing. 20, from the hall I hear voices, but I don't recognize the language. 25, 26, 27, 28, and never in my life have I felt this alone. 7.26 and 30 seconds. I don't know how to find an English-speaking doctor. 40, 41, 42, let alone getting it taken care of. 44, 45, 46, can you even do that in a Catholic country? And I realized that keeping it hadn't once entered my head. 7.27. I got the pregnancy test from Janine this girl in my class who'd brought a 10-pack in her suitcase. It's Italy, she said. All you do in Italy is have sex. She's the one who told me to send him home, back across the ocean so I'd be free to enjoy the culture. Oh, but I couldn't. I loved him. I was 19. The world was at my feet. A red carpet spread out before me, 7.27 and 8 seconds, 9 seconds, 10, 11. When I told him I was late, he said, for what? When I said, late, late, he didn't say anything. We were sitting at the table in our tiny kitchen, in our tiny Italian flat. I remember bread baking in the oven. I remember cigarettes stubbed out in soup cans. I remember candles and empty grappa bottles and curtains pulled out of dumpsters and sketches he'd done of my naked body thumbtacked to the walls, which in any other circumstance before or since would have made me feel ashamed, but not with him. I was beautiful with him. He loved me. We were perfect. But not that, not that night. Love was not perfect that night. It was human. I've thought about this scene so many times the past couple of years, how I folded myself up like an envelope, how I switched off my heart, stopped feeling. My husband left me a few months before COVID hit, and when my son's elementary school locked down in Chicago, I packed a few bags and went to my mom's place in Michigan. We were there for six months, 
and then six months in Vegas and six months in Oakland, wherever I could get work and a roof over our heads. It was a hell of a time to learn how to be a single mother. Sidebar, if there are single mothers or kids of single mothers listening tonight, God, I love you. Thank you for your stories that help me keep going across the minutes and the months and the miles. Nevada, Utah, flat, flat, flat. We wound up back in Michigan a year ago, showing up exhausted on my mother's doorstep. The virus, the lockdown, the divorce, so many nights in a Holiday Inn Express. She took one look at my face and started sobbing, the all too familiar pain of a parent when their child is hurting. I am going on a run, I said, searching for sneakers in the back of my car. I just need an hour without any feeling. Behind her house is a 10-mile running trail along the Huron River. It was the first weekend in April, a year ago right now, in fact. Trees were just starting to bud. Grass was just starting to grow. The sun was just starting to set. It was so beautiful. A still shot, a picture postcard, everything so new and so hopeful. And I looked up from the trail and saw him. I am dreaming, I told myself. I hadn't slept in a week. I hadn't slept in a year. And I do see things that aren't always there, fairies, monsters, messages. But that day along the river, that, that was real. It was him, some white in his stubble, sure, but otherwise the same. Beautiful, first love desperate. I had not seen him in 20 years. I knew nothing about his life, not for lack of trying on my part. Why did Jesus give us the internet if not to spy on our exes after a martini or two or five? But right, I see you. But this guy was a ghost. No MySpace, no Flickr, no Twitter, no Substack, no trail of breadcrumbs to find our way back. He looked up then, 10 feet between us, eight feet, seven. And listen, I am not 19 anymore. I am a grown ass woman with a, let's say, decent amount of sexual experience and a detailed understanding of my own body, how to make it her or sing, and still, when our eyes locked on the trail, I had an orgasm again, right there in my running shoes. The trees shook. The river overflowed, which was unusual at that time of year in Southeast Michigan. Meteorologists were very confused. Farmers concerned, crops and whatnot. And sure, maybe it was because of this one specific person and the decades of history and chemistry between us. Maybe it was because I'd been on the road with a 12-year-old in a global pandemic, and this was the first time I'd been alone with an adult man in two years. <laughs> or maybe after the hit I took on my self-worth, I was finally starting to remember who the fuck I am. Whatever the reason, a faucet inside of me turned all the way on. And can we talk about the astonishing power of the female body? You would never know it to look at us, but all of the women sitting around in here, 
we could explode this city with the sheer force of our desire. Now look, I don't know what's in the cards for me. If I'll love again, or get married again, or believe in the bluebirds on my shoulder, but one thing's for damn sure, I want this flood. I want this want. God help me, I will feel. We did not have sex in the forest that day. I know. Instead, we sat on a bench and talked. There were a couple of decades to catch up on, a lot of explanation, a little regret, but mostly we told stories about our kids. He has a daughter the same age as my son. He loves being a dad. And for a second, I let myself imagine what our child would have been like had we walked a different path. Only for a second, though. It's enough to drive you crazy. What could have been? It's enough to drive you crazy. What could be? All we've got is right now, this microphone in a north side bar, a bench along a hiking trail, a bathroom stall in a youth hostel, a kitchen in Italy, bread in the oven, cigarettes in soup cans, late, late. He got up from the table, and without even looking at me, went into the bathroom and turned on the shower. Aren't we going to talk? I said, following. He was standing fully dressed under the faucet. He hadn't pulled the curtain, so water was spraying everywhere. His, his eyes were shut tight, his clothes hanging drenched and heavy, pulling him down like he was sinking. And I knew then that if he couldn't hold himself together, how was he going to hold on to me? 728. I left the apartment, wandering the cobblestone streets till I found this hostel with its hidden bathroom stall, horrible fluorescent lights, no familiar faces, 10, nine, eight, and I peed on the stick, seven, six, the world is at my feet, five, four, I am so, so human. Three, two, and all that's left to do is look. This story was produced by Ali Drum and directed by Jess Kadish Hernandez with music and sound design by Michael Benedict. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. 
Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.